evening. It's so good to be here. I love St. Nick's. Every time I come here, I get a buzz. And it's a wonderful um, privilege for me to be here with you this evening. Uh, I've been asked to just bring in the third part of the series, Bold. And this time we're talking about being bold with our words, bold with action. So my job tonight is to talk to you about being bold and sharing your faith. Now, I don't know about you, but when anybody in my life, in my Christian experience, when I grew up in church, when anyone came to talk about sharing your faith, it was a massive challenge, a little bit of a terror for me. Sharing your faith, evangelism. Someone once said, everybody hates evangelism. Non-Christians hate having it done to them. Christians hate having to do it to them. We don't like sharing our faith. We feel like we're pushing something down people's throats. We feel like we're going to be judged that we're intolerant or that we are pushing an agenda or we just feel insecure. Maybe you think about your own life and you think, if I try to tell people about Jesus, I'm not perfect. Or they might ask me questions and I don't know how to answer them. Or I'm just not very confident about that kind of thing. We sometimes think that the person that shares good news is the person in Broadmead with the bullhorn and uh, the just bold as brass attitude. And you just think, I, I just can't be like that. I, I'm not that person. I don't have that level of confidence. I, I just don't think that I could pull it off. Growing up in church, we would have people come and speak and tell us, you've got to be bold, you've got to share your faith. Evangelists would come in to the church, and they typically were always the same. They had these big Bibles, big hair, big teeth, big wives, and they were just kind of these characters, and they would tell stories about how they had shared Jesus with someone. And usually these stories were just incredible. They would always be about public transport. You know, I was just... Actually, the, the best of them were about planes. So they would say, you know, I was just on this plane and I began to share Jesus with a person. And the, the story goes, they shared Jesus with the person next to them. And before the plane is even taxied off the runway, that person has come to Jesus and he's shared his testimony with the other people on their row. They're having a prayer meeting for the rest of the plane. And by the time the plane comes into land, the entire plane load has become Christians. The uh, cabin crew are taking up the offerings down the aisle. The captain's giving his testimony over the tannoy. Everyone's singing, our oh, God is a great big God. Even the plane is becoming Christian and it's flapping its wings for joy. And you just think, I, I, I can't identify with that. I can't be like that. You know me, I'm, I'm not a great traveller. I'm often sick on planes. The only thing I'm sharing with the person next to me on a plane is, is, is my lunch, quite frankly, because I'm just, I don't travel well. And you think sometimes, I don't know about sharing my faith. And it can be a point of tension for us because we feel like we're supposed to do this stuff. We're supposed to share stories, but we just feel, I'm not sure that's me. I'm not sure that I can do that. But tonight, it's about being Bold. Everyone say bold. Because Jesus actually asked, in fact, commanded us to share good news. He said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will share the good news. He told us to preach the good news, to share good news with the whole world. He literally left his message in our hands to communicate to those around us. 
But the good news is that it's actually easier than you think. Jesus hasn't set you up for failure. He hasn't pushed you into something that's just going to give you a bad conscience. There's a great story that I want us to focus in on today. It's from the book of John chapter 4. It's the story of the woman um, at the well. This is the woman of Samaria. And this is a woman, if you don't know the story, if you're new to church or if you're finding your way back into church, this story is about a woman who belonged to a group of people called the Samaritans who were a kind of antagonistic uh, racial group that shared uh, land with the Jewish people, but there was tension between them. We see tension in Middle East today. It's always been like that. And this woman was from this kind of outcast group. But she was an outcast within the outcasts. This was a woman that had such a bad reputation that she had been ostracized by her community. So much so that the only time that she could go to gather water from a well was at the noon time when the sun is at its hottest, when everyone else has finished doing their thing. She was just an unwanted social leper. But Jesus sees her. Jesus loves her. He speaks to her. He engages her in conversation. And that conversation goes deeper and deeper and deeper until finally he begins to just show remarkable prophetic insight into her life. The choices that she's made, the brokenness that she carries. And he speaks with compassion. And eventually she says, I need to know that the Messiah is going to come. What do you think about that? And Jesus reveals for the very first time, I who speak to you am he. It's literally the first time in all of Jesus' ministry that he reveals his nature and character as the Messiah, the saviour of the world, to someone. And it's an amazing, remarkable story. And after that, she's so transformed, she goes back. And so John chapter 4, it says this. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. This woman did three things. Essentially, what she's doing is she's playing a game of tag. Everyone say tag. Put your hands up if you ever played tag as a kid. Okay, great. I'm not hopelessly that old. Uh, tag. You tag someone and they're it. But in this case, it's T-A-G. And T stands for tell. The first thing that this woman does is that she tells a story. You're making a mistake if you think that what we have to do to share Jesus is stand up on a soapbox and preach. There's a place for that, and there's people that will do that just in the streets, and that's not a bad thing. Mark's story is of someone randomly in the street giving him an invitation. And so we can do that. But for most of us, we're going to do what that woman of Samaria did. We're just going to tell our story. She said to those around her, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now this is a woman with a very checkered background. This is a woman that's had five husbands and in an honour-shame culture that sets you up as someone that is really to be looked down upon and yet she tells this story and she said, this guy, he told me, he just knew, never seen me before, never spoken to me before, not from around here, but he knew me. It's like he knew every part of me, like Jesus knows you. 
Again, if you're not sure about faith, if you're finding your way back in, if you're, you're just on the outside looking in, if you don't hear anything else from this evening, you just need to hear this. Jesus sees you. He knows you. And he doesn't reject you. Far from it. He loves you. And he offers you wholeness from your brokenness. And she just began to tell a little bit of her story. And when we want to share Jesus, when we want to be bold with our words, we're not talking about getting up and being convincing like a lawyer in a court of law. We're talking about just telling a little bit about your story. Come and see. This guy, he told me everything about myself. The wonderful thing about this woman's story is that she wasn't a seasoned veteran disciple. She hadn't been with Jesus for more than five minutes. She didn't know all the ins and outs. She wasn't theologically trained. She wasn't someone that had been uh, put through her paces and, and developed and discipled. She was just day one. But she had a story, and you have a story to tell. Sometimes you'll get an opportunity. That's why I love, love running. Because I've never seen anything quite like it that gives Christians like you and me the opportunity to tell our story to people. The first time that we did Love Running, 2009, 15 years ago, uh, there was this whole thing. There was 300 of us running it. Uh, the next year we had twice that amount. But this first one, we had 300 running. We had these red t-shirts. You saw them on the video. And there was this one particular guy who came uh, to the finish line and he found one of the red shirts and he grabbed a hold of them and he said, hey, listen, you've got to tell me. Who are you? You guys are amazing. I mean, I want to be part of this club. You're, you're young and you're old. You're fit. And some of you, quite frankly, are just a hot mess. You, you just, you've been walking half the time. But you're black and you're white. But there's this kind of crackle and energy between you. And you're high-fiving one another and you're cheering each other on. He said, I've just got to be part of this group. You look amazing. Who are you? And the person in Love Running that he spoke to, they had that moment where they could have said, oh, it's just a charity fundraiser. But instead, they were bold. They told a bit of their story. They said, this is the greatest club that you could find. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. And you'd be really welcome to come and join us. And his response, his name's Ed, and I quote verbatim, he said, oh, nuts. Church? I hate church. I don't want to have anything to do with church. But do you know where Ed was that very evening? Sunday morning's the run. Sunday evening, where's Ed? He's in church. He's down on the 10th row. I, I met him. He came up. He introduced himself. He gave his life to Jesus shortly after I got to baptize him. In fact, I got to introduce him to a whole bunch of people. He met a girl. They uh, fell in love. I got to marry him to his wife, to see his children being born, to see him as a leader in the church. And even today, still a great friend. But that was because someone was bold. And all they did was they told a story. Tomorrow, when you go and you see your friends and you have that weekend conversation, what did you do on the weekend? Have the boldness to just say, well, let me tell you a little story. It doesn't mean that you've got to tell your whole Christian story, your whole backstory of faith. You might just want to give someone a little micro story. Hey, I, I don't know if I've told you this before. 
is a bit awkward because people have different views about church and I know that it's not a most super popular thing but I was in church yesterday and there was a guy and he talked about how he was stoned and then came to church and it was hilarious but Jesus changed his life interesting story you can catch it online but just a little bit of your story or sometimes it's about saying to people look we've known each other for a long time but I don't think I've ever told you about my faith and it's got a little bit awkward that I've never spoken about that part of myself but can I just tell you why I think it makes sense There's an organisation called the Evangelical Alliance and they commissioned uh, a report, they called it Talking Jesus, a few years ago. And they did a survey across the UK and they found that 53% of people in the United Kingdom have a significant relationship with a Christian. So the church is on the decline. Christians are in the minority, but the majority of people in the UK today have a friendship with a Christian. And then another piece of research that they did said one in three people who are unchurched, who are not Christians, one in three people in the country today would like to know something more about Jesus. So when we talk about telling your story, we're just saying people want to hear there's a spiritual hunger. We have right now, sociologists will tell you, a growing desire for spiritual answers and meaning in our culture. They say it's the emergence of the open generation, a generation that is open to questions of faith, a generation that's open to talking about Jesus. And the most open section of society, guess what it is? 18 to 34 years old. You just tell a little bit of your story. You say, look, I don't have all the answers and you can ask me questions and I probably won't be able to answer all of them, but let me just tell you a story. T, you tell. A, you ask. She said to these people in her village, she said, could this be the Messiah? Now, note, Jesus has just told her in black and white, plain English, I am the Messiah. And she could have gone with wide-eyed kind of presentations saying, I've met the Messiah. But what's really interesting is she's just got a knack for this. She's got an instinct. She gets it really right because she invites people into a conversation. She asks a question. She said, I met a guy. He told me everything I ever did. It was crazy. Blow your mind. Could it be? Could it be that he is a saviour? Could it be that he's the one that we're looking for? Could it be the one that's going to bring hope and life and salvation to our world? I don't know. I'm not so sure. But what do you think? That's why Alpha is such a powerful thing. I really encourage you to get bold. Take that flyer. Invite your friend to Alpha. Because on Alpha, we literally ask and invite people to ask questions. It's such a wonderful thing. My wife, Kate, and I, we've been doing Alphas in our home the last few months. We did one, well, we're doing one at the moment. We did one last term. There's a a, a young woman there, a career woman, mid-twenties. And she, we were asking them. She'd never been in church. And, um, well, she'd just been very, very recently out of the blue. So we asked them the question, what's brought you? Why are you here? Why are you doing Alpha? She said the most amazing thing. She said, I'm here because of the glorious people. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I was invited by my friend to come to church. A flatmate 
And uh, the flatmate brought me, and I walked into church, and I've been coming to your church, and it's full of glorious people. I said, glorious people? She said, yes. It's like you have a light inside of you, and it's shining out. And then she said this. (laughs) I love it. She said, and I wanted to be with the glorious people. And I wanted to be one of the glorious people. She said, you're not like the people that I meet at parties. You're not like the people that I see in normal life. There's something different about you. When we give people the opportunity to dialogue, to question, to go on a spiritual journey, many people, you'll put their back up if you just come in with a whole bunch of propositions and dogmatic assertions. But when we come with humility and vulnerability and just say, hey, listen, this is why I think, what do you think? Uh, and where do you think that the world is going? Or do you think there's more to life than just Candy Crush and Kellogg's cornflakes? Bad example. Uh, what do you think life is all about? And you get into questions and you get into conversation. You just ask someone. Rather than just pounding them with what you believe, finding ways to say, hey, what do you think about this? Do you believe that there's any life after death do you think that this is all that there is where where does beauty come from what's your sort of faith story we had alpha we started it just in our house um, a couple of weeks ago and we asked a, a question of a, another young woman again mid-20s career and uh, you know what do you believe and she said i i i don't know but i, I do like crystals and every part of me wants to say that's of the devil out of here demon but instead You say, that's really interesting. Why are you into that? And what's provoked that? And let's talk and let's go on a journey. But I tell a little bit of my story. I ask a question, T-A, and then G. G, give an invitation. Tell a story. Ask a question. Give an invitation. Tag, you're it. She says, come and see. That's all. I'm not going to try and convince you. I'm just going to give you an invitation. When we invite friends, it's something so powerful. A friend of mine has a big church up in the north, and they did some research again uh, across Manchester. And they found out when they talked to Christians that four out of five Christians said, I don't feel comfortable sharing my faith with my friends because I fear that they will reject me, that they will be offended, that we will lose the friendship. And so four out of five Christians said, I don't share because I, I don't want to mess with my friends. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you feel like, if I shared my story, if I shared my faith, if I went out on a limb, if I invited someone to something, then uh, they could think that I'm judging them. And they could feel like I'm, I'm on the wrong side of history and, and that, that I'm just, it could just break everything. And that's how we feel. But then they interviewed and surveyed members of the general public who weren't Christians. And four Out of five people outside church said, if my Christian friend invited me to church, I would go. They found out people who said, I've got a Christian friend, and as we've said, that's the majority of people, just over 50%. And they, out of those people, if you had a Christian friend, if your Christian friend invited you, would you go? Yes, I would go, because there's a spiritual hunger. One of my friends is a neighbour down the road, a great guy. I love him 
to pieces and we've known each other for years. Our children went to the same school. That's how we met. And uh, we'd be at parents' evenings and the concerts and all those kinds of things sitting at the back. And I would say to my friend, I would say, hey, would you come to church with me? No, Philip, it's not for me. I invited him to Alpha. I said, would you do Alpha? It's a great course. You know, life is worth exploring here. <laughs> and he said, no, Philip, I don't believe it. He told me his story. And actually, people will tell you stories and you think, actually, if I were you, I probably wouldn't believe it too. His wife died young, brain tumour, little kids. I don't believe, Philip. I don't want it. It's not for me. Stop inviting me. And uh, so I took the hint, but I just tried. Let me try something else. Let me give you an invitation. And of course, when we did Love Running, I said, hey, I know you say no to everything, but what about Love Running? What is it? Well, we're raising money for the poor, the oppressed, and the needy. And we'll get in shape. We'll get fit. We'll get friends. We'll change the world. And he said, Philip, I would love to do. This is exactly the kind of thing that I want to do. Why? Because the people around you, the people that you know, the people that you rub shoulders with, the people on your course, the people in your flat, they have an innate God-given desire that the world should be what it is not right now. We want to see the world made a better place. There are people of goodwill. Wherever you look, whether they call themselves Christians or whether they are furthest away from Jesus, but they have a desire. I want to make a difference. And the thing about something like this is I get to not just write a check or put some money in a pot, but I get to actually engage myself and put flesh in the game. You know, I've got skin in the game and I put my body on the line and I'm doing something. And then we're gathering together and we're a community and, and there's all kinds of ways in which it's good. And me and my friend, we began running together every Saturday morning to train for Love Running. Neither of us were very good. Actually, he was way better than me, but uh, he's a bit older than me, so he you know, swings and roundabouts. But we did Love Running. It was a bit embarrassing. I haven't told this to people before. Certainly didn't do this in the morning service. But when we crossed the finishing line, we did it together and he grabbed a hold of my hand and then we got taken a picture and it, he's got it up in his house now of us holding hands like two 12-year-olds crossing the line. But it was a beautiful moment. And then after Love Running, the ultimate betrayal, he did something behind my back. He didn't tell me about it, didn't consult me about it, didn't give me the chance to react. What did he do? He signed himself up for an alpha course and went on his own spiritual journey, became part of the church. And it's just been a wonderful thing to be able to journey with him. And we still run together every Saturday because somehow it built our friendship deeper, deeper, deeper. You give an invitation. And this is the end of the process. After the woman shares her story with all the village, the Bible said that there's this effect. John chapter 4, uh, it closes with this one. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Ultimately, I can be bold because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Amen? 
It's about what Jesus can do in the lives of the people that I love and care for. And Jesus is saying, look, you get me to them. You, you bring and create an environment where they can begin to encounter me, begin to encounter my spirit, and I will do the rest. And I know that we all have friends that we would love to see meet Jesus. And all we have to do is just tell your story. Ask a question. Give an invitation. Some of you, you're going to do love running and you're going to invite friends on your course of friends that you have around your friends at work and they're going to join you on it and you're going to see them come close to Jesus. They might not necessarily all become Christians straight away but I guarantee that there are people that are going to come to faith because a Christian invited them to do something and their eyes were opened. I've never seen a group of people like this. If this is what the church is all about then maybe I need to rethink my preconceptions about faith. You're going to find people are going to go on a journey, but this is just the thing that they need, the bridge they need to cross in order to get close to Jesus. And so we are bold because we want to see Jesus coming close to our friends. And once they get an encounter with Jesus, he does the rest. He draws them in. And many people believe because of this woman's testimony and she wasn't smart and she wasn't experienced and she, she certainly wasn't spotless, squeaky clean. She was broken, messed up with a checkered past and yet she had that boldness to tell a story, ask a question, give an invitation and then Jesus came in and he did the rest. And he can do the rest with you. Let's pray. Just invite you to close your eyes, bow your head. And as we did at the beginning of the service, just picturing, visualizing the face of a friend that we love, that we care for, that we want to see come to faith. I want you to do that right now. I want you to think of one person. One person that you know that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe he's a bit like my friend. Maybe they're a bit like my friend. And they say to you, oh, it's not for me. It's, I, I respect you for doing it, but it's, it's not my thing. Maybe they're someone that's been in church before in the past, but they've lost the habit, like Mark. But I want you to just visualize them right now. And I want you just quietly, in your own heart, to just make a commitment to Jesus right now. Offer yourself to Jesus. And say, Jesus, help me to be a witness for you. Help me to be someone that connects others to you. Give me an opportunity to tell something of my story. Any story. Help me to get into a place where I can ask questions, spiritual questions. And have the humility to just listen. Give me openings to give an invitation. Quiz night. Alpha. Love running, Sunday service, baptism, whatever it may be. But right now, just ask Jesus to use you. And what I'd like to do before the band come up and we, we kind of respond in prayer is I'd like you to make a kind of symbolic act and a commitment for yourself. This is between you and Jesus. But all you're going to say is, Jesus, I'm willing to be a witness for you. Give me boldness. 
So I can tag someone, and they be it. And they can tag someone else, and they're it. And they tag someone else, and on and on it goes. But I'm willing to be a link in that chain. To tell, to ask, to give. Give me boldness. And all you're going to do is just put your hand up to say, Jesus, I'm willing to be that witness. Receive my um, offering right now. And give me your Holy Spirit. So if you want to be part of that, I'd love to pray for you. But if that's you, just put your hand up where you are. And we're going to make these little commitments to be used by Jesus as his witnesses. Great. Put your hands down. Or maybe even just have your hands kind of palm upwards as if you're going to receive something from heaven. Because Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be my witnesses. The boldness doesn't come from us gritting our teeth and generating something. The boldness comes from the Spirit of God falling upon us and giving us a love that compels us to share. So right now, Spirit of the living God, I want to pray for an anointing of boldness. I pray, Lord God, that you would pour upon each one of us that are open to you a sense of confidence, but a sense of overwhelming love for those that you gave your life for who don't know you. And I want to pray that as a result of this little commitment that we're making tonight, I want to pray that the repercussions will ripple throughout eternity. I want to pray that you would take us in our weakness, that you would pick us up when we get rebuffed, when our invitations are turned down or our stories are rejected. Lord, would you help us just to love and to continue and to tell more stories. Lord, I want to pray for opportunities, even in this next week, for individuals here. I pray for openings. And I pray for wisdom and sensitivity. But most of all, Spirit of the living God, would you give power to these individuals? In the name of Jesus.